Former Blink-182 singer and guitarist Tom DeLonge was always a stargazer obsessed with UFOs and aliens, so it's really no surprise that he helped form to the Stars Academy of Arts and Science to help study and research exotic technologies. And what really put the company on the map was when the United States Navy acknowledged that the unidentified objects in certain videos that to the stars put out were real. But is the Academy truly as independent as they claim to be? Join myself and Neil here on Aliens Explored as we look into To The Stars Academy. And this week's episode is dedicated to our Explorer of the Week. And this week it is Dee Nandwani. Now, thank you, Dee, for helping to support this podcast and help make it a reality. We definitely appreciate you, and I'm sure all the listeners will join me in thanking you for it. If you, too, want to be a Patreon of this page, all you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash aliens explored and look into finding a tier that suits you. We've got a wide range of rewards and awards at various levels to suit everyone. So have a look. But uh, in the meantime, thank you, Explorer of the Week, Dean Nandwani. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Hello listeners and welcome back to Aliens Explored, your weekly look at the mysterious skies and the stars beyond and all the kinds of ideas that we, we develop about it and, and follow through here on this show. I'm one of your hosts, Neil Kelly. And I'm your other host, Stu Jackson. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing very well, thank you. I'm stumbling a bit, tri- tripping over my words, but uh, otherwise <laughs> I'm, I'm in perfect shape to do this show. <laughs> Let me just take a sip of tea as it's two o'clock in the afternoon here in England and that's what we do. <laughs> Yes, everything stops for tea. There was even a song mm. about it. Um, yeah, uh, interesting. And this week, one. sorry, should I continue the welcome? <laughs> this week, we're going to be looking at something called the To the Stars Academy. Mm. That's our topic yes. for the week. Yes, and Blink 182. So I'm kind of hoping we might reach out to Blink 182 fans a little bit. Um, co- yes, it was co-founded word. by Tom DeLonge, guitarist of Blink-182 and Angels and Airwaves. 
Yes. Oh, that, that, yeah. that was another I, founder. Um, <laughs> uh, he was one of the founders, um, along with Harold E. Puthoff and Jim Semivan. He, he sort uh, of it, was. Yes. So it was founded in 2017 as a public benefit corporation, according to Wikipedia, Wikipedia by Jim Semivan, who was a former senior intelligence officer at the CIA. I'm going to Harold stop e. you right Puthoff there and, and say, actually, it goes back to 2014. When to the stars was a record label, Oh, which debuted with the Angels label. and Airways' fifth studio album, and then um, it became yes. to the Stars Academy in 2017 when the CIA apparently got involved. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, um, it, it was it was basically bought as an ongoing concern to the Stars record label. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that's where where kind of Tom DeLonge's interest comes in. So, Angels and Airwaves, I think it's it's pretty much his like his solo work, his solo mm. band work, um, which is why I'm going to be honest, I'd never heard of them, um, but I heard of Blink One Eighty Two. I'd I'd heard of them, but I'm I'm not very familiar with their work. I guess it's not my kind of rock. No, um, d- ditto, ditto. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure I must have heard Blink One Eighty Two songs at some point, but yeah, I couldn't name one. I'm afraid. Would you? Without, I mean, without being a particular fan, where, where would you have heard it? Oh, Radio Two. The... <laughs> oh, do they? Do they play it on Radio Two? Well, I'm assuming so. When they've R- been in the charts and stuff. Okay. Um, then radio that, yeah, 2 for our be... American listeners is a BBC radio station where they uh radio 1 is for like your your top hits your latest sort of pop music radio it's 2 for is teenagers all encompassing mm. um yeah more, well, more, at least that's more what it used to be middle of the road kind of tastes MOR mm. um the radio 1 is for, is for teenagers yes yes well, and and yeah. tries desperately <laughs> to be hip and in tune with what these young people are listening to these days. Or, or actually probably trying to decide what they're going to be listening to. That's the way, that's the, way the pop music Influence industry tends things. to work now. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, so I, I used to listen to radio. Back in the days before Spotify, I used to listen mm. to Radio 2 when I was in the car. And uh, yes, okay. I'm sure, because that was back in the day, so mm. I'm sure I must have heard Blink-182 at some point. Um, yeah, there we go. Mm. Um, do let us know, listeners, what your favourite Blink-182 album and or track is, and we'll give that a listen. Um, mm. or, absolutely. Or perhaps so, yeah. Tom DeLonge's first solo album, to the, yes. which is called To the Stars, Demos, Odds and Ends. There we go. Um, and yeah, he set up the record label to the stars as well. Like you rightly say, basically for Angels and, and What's It's um, to launch their own stuff, I suppose. Hmm. Um, but yes, to the stars, Academy of Arts and Sciences was yeah. formed in 2017 when uh, to the stars was bought out. So it's a weird company. I, I, I think hmm. this is a really weird company a weird arrangement of companies well, they're, financially they don't seem to have done very well i mean they they started offering 50 million dollars worth of public stock um and then a month later only one million of those shares have been sold and they had a 37.4 million deficit 
that doesn't quite add up in my maths, but I, I guess those that stuff could become worth more or something, but I don't know. Um, well, if it costs um, thirty-eight million to run, you can still offer fifty million pounds worth of stock, hmm. or shares, basically. Yeah, um, but I think it was done through crowdfunding anyway. I, I'm not entirely um, okay. Sure, I'm, I'm not a finance person, so <laughs> yeah, um, as my bank account testifies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's got so. It's got these different branches to the company. There's mm. entertainment, science and aerospace. Like, well, what? It doesn't gel as a company. It's like my branch, Stu Jackson, the, the brand, the company, the self-employed mm. organisation, if you like. Yes, I'm an actor. I'm a voiceover artist. I'm a filmmaker. Uh, I'm a producer, I'm an editor. All these things go together. You, you know, they, mm. they kind of like sit in the same. But entertainment and science and aerospace, that's like, I don't know. That That is a, an odd mix, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a company like Amazon suddenly becoming competition for NASA. Oh wait! Well, Hang on. But there's also <laughs> I, I I think there's a clash there because if they if they began releasing books and graphic novels, children's picture books, um, mostly dealing with topics of the supernatural, ufology, and science fiction, yet at the same time they have a science and aerospace division um, devoted to the outer edges of science, such as investigating UFOs. Um, yeah, I can see how their fictional side will bleed into their supposedly objectively scientific side. How, how can you, how, how can you trust an organization's scientific findings when you know that that organization also peddles science fiction? I suppose. So, for, so, so to play devil's advocate a little bit here, do you know what? I can sort mm. of see a reasoning behind that um, in terms of education and the way education is done. Um, so, for example, here in the UK, we, we had a, a comedy science fiction show, I'm sure most of our listeners will have heard of it, called Red Dwarf. Mm. Uh, you'll remember Red Dwarf, of course, Neil. I remember Red Dwarf. Yes. Um, so there was, like, for example, and I'm, I'm pulling this out of thin air, but but for example, there was an episode when they, when the Red Dwarf crew went back in time, and um, tried to save JFK from getting shot. Mm. Um, now, I'm sure, I'm, I'm absolutely confident that there are lots of people who are sci-fi fans, who are comedy fans, who will have watched that episode and learnt things about the JFK incident that they didn't know previously. So in that sense it was it was informative as well as entertaining. But a lot of a lot of fiction is, isn't it? I mean a lot of people know their history through reading historical fiction. If you want to know a lot about Tudor times, I can highly recommend uh, CJ Sansom's um, mystery novel set during the Tudor or during, during the Henry VIII era. Yeah, there's an awful lot of detail there and it's it's we are storytelling creatures, and for many of us, reading a novel which is based around a, a true historical background 
is the easiest way of absorbing these historical facts rather than just so, reading reading a very dry historical account and trying to remember dates and places. So there you go. You've just answered your own question then. Um, no, I think I think this is different. This is a, a, a company that that produces scientific research and science fiction, and I can see how how that, how one you know, you're making claims. Um, see, I mean, reading a C.J. Sampson book, he's not making um, controversial claims about Henry VIII or the Tudor era. He's just telling a story against. Fairly commonly accepted backdrop, very fairly uncontroversial. When you're when you're mixing science and science fiction, where does one start and where does the other end? That's the, what I'm saying. Yeah, I can I can definitely see how lines might get blurred, mm. um, but I can also see in terms of sort of education of the general population. Um, yeah, I mean, anyway, that's a. Uh, uh, actually, I think a, a, a good comparison will be, um, I know you're a Trekkie fan, and yeah, I, I have seen, although haven't studied in depth, um, books that, that, of the, the science behind Star Trek, oh, the yes. science behind I... their propulsion systems, their transportation chamber. And um, I imagine there are big chunks of that, that, that diagram that just say a big bunch of who knows what? <laughs> this, is, this is five <laughs> centuries in the future. We don't know what's in there. You know, some sort of magic is in there. Well, now you say that. Um, oh dear, you've gone right into my wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, so, hit you where you live, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so the science of Star Trek is actually based on real life science. Um, much of it theoretical, but but the writers of Star Trek and the producers they keep themselves up to date with the very latest developments in science and technology. Um, mm. You know, there is. For example, like you know, they talk about antimatter and and matter yeah. colliding to create uh, the power involved in propelling a starship faster than light. Um, hmm. Well, that was back when antimatter was only theoretical. Well, now it's been proved, um, and and yes, antimatter and matter coming together would produce uh, a massive amount of power. Um, so yeah. It would obviously so that, be controlling that power and and what have you, but but they're yeah. still at the, the yeah they're at the cutting edge of science, albeit at the cutting edge of scientific theory in the twenty first century. And Star Trek set when is it the twenty third century or or twenty third and twenty fourth centuries? Yeah, twenty third twenty fourth century. So two or three hundred years in the future. Mm. Um, I, I I mean it's often been said that. The best way to to get a prediction about what might happen in the future is through science fiction rather than science fact. Because if you stick to science fact, you're constrained by what is known or what is understood now, and which doesn't allow for some some kind of quantum leap, some what do they call it, a paradigm shift in yep. fifty years' time when something is understood in a completely different way. And one of the best examples I heard about this was. Um, our American listeners will probably be very familiar with a cartoon character called Dick Tracy, mm. um, a, you know, a comic strip detective who appeared, I think, in newspapers and in his own comic books 
think from about the 1940s, possibly earlier. But in the 1940s, uh, Dick Tracy had a device. He had a wrist radio. It was like a wristwatch, a big wristwatch with an aerial that would stick out of it. And in the cartoon, it would go calling Dick Tracy, calling Dick Tracy, and he would respond to his radio, which was on his wrist. Well, in those days, a radio was a big thing. You couldn't carry around a radio. Um, radios, I don't think they even had them in cars in the 1940s. Do they have radio cars? No, no I think it, they had radio it, cars in the in the 40s. But, but basically what people were saying was it's impossible to have a radio that small because where would all the valves go? A valve is this big for one. You'd need several of them. You, because they were just basing it on what they understood scientifically as the at the time of how a radio is basically it's a piece of furniture and somehow you've reduced it to something that fits on your wrist. Of course we know now that's, yeah, we've, we've got, we've had transistors since then and microchips. Yeah. So we know very well that, yeah, you can easily have, you could, you, you could have a radio so small you can put it in your eye, you know, but yeah, back then, but, then, but, but the people who wrote Dick Tracy, their response to that was just to say, we don't care. We just know that we just decided that this is possible. We're not going to go into the, the actual, science as it's understood today of how this might work we just decided that this is something that he's got and you can wonder about it all you like <laughs> well i'm going to do one straight start... back round to to star trek again um because mm. back in the 60s of course when the, uh, the original series you had things like lasers that fit in the, your hand well a laser would like be room sized mm. back then um you had and my favourite one is the communicator, a wireless communication device that fitted in your hand and flipped open. Um, mm. well, fast forward to, I, th I think it was the early 90s, um, back when mobile phones were first becoming, a th like proper mobile phones, I'm not talking about the car phone mm. site that literally had a car battery attached to it, and that's what you would carry mm. around like a suitcase. Um, mm. I had one of those. Um, but no, back when the first proper mobile phones came out, uh, Motorola mm. released one that was a flip phone, like a clamshell-type flip phone, called mm. the StarTac. And the reason it was called that is they wanted to call it the Star Trek, but mm. they couldn't get the licensing. So they <laughs> called it a StarTac. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> anyway, we've gotten quite off topic here. So, mm. <laughs> so background to yes, let's let's talk then about the science and aerospace arm of to the stars yeah. academy. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. They they research or, or they claim to research fringe technologies and UFOs. Yeah. Um, and they're certainly in in. Hmm, Certainly in ufology, um, they are very divisive amongst the people as to whether or not mm. they're actually doing anything to help or not. But I will say, thanks to um, the what they've called the Vault, which is the Virtual Analytics UAP Learning Tool, essentially, which we did a, we did a session on before, didn't we? Uh, no, that's the uh, the the black vault. That's a different. The, oh right, okay. So this is a different yeah. vault. It's not the black vault. This is the a vault. Different vault completely. Um, yeah. So this is basically a database of UFO. Uh, yeah, Black Vault hmm. was uh, John Greenwald Junior, um, and he does a lot of freedom of information request stuff. Okay. 
Um, yeah, that's a, a yeah, it's it's a separate thing. Um, this is basically just the biggest UFO database that you can find. Um, in fact, um, the three videos about you know, the that went public in 2019, the USS Nimitz UFO incident and the USS Theodore Roosevelt UFO incident, they were which well, they were confirmed by the U.S. Navy in September 2019 as as authentic videos taken by Navy pilots. They were they were in the vault. They were released by uh, to the Stars Academy back in 2017. Yes, and yes, it was 2019 right. when they confirmed them, um, and hmm. that has led to that's led us quite a long way down the route of disclosure. I mean, people people always talk about like disclosure with UFOs happening as a, as a real binary thing. And, and of course it wouldn't mm. be, it would never be binary. It's going to be step by step, inch by inch, little by little. We're going to get more and more and more. We've actually come already. I, I mean, when you look back to where we were 10 years ago in terms of governments um, denying the existence of UFOs, we've mm. come a long way down the disclosure route, a real long way. Um, it's happening. Do you, it's do you, happening do you think really? Do you think really? Because I mean, UFOs um, and ETs—they're still, I think, regarded as part of the supernatural. You would study them along with other paranormal uh, phenomena. Yeah, the, the two kind of go hand in hand. Um, the history of science throughout the history of mankind has been taking stuff which was thought to be supernatural and showing how it's actually natural finding finding an explanation for it that's that's usually quite um mundane and terrestrial prosaic is that the right word to to use um it could be um hmm. yeah I, I absolutely well you're saying mundane i i would say i would agree with the natural part um hmm. i would say but uh, but as as I've said before, you know we we are storytelling storytelling creatures. We understand the world through our stories, and when we find something that doesn't fit, something that we can't explain, we try and come up with some sort of explanation. And in the past, um, and, and people will see when they see something that they just really don't get, that's really out of their world. Quite often, not no two people will see the same thing. If they have different cultural backgrounds, they'll see you know, that they're, what they see will be shaped by their by their pre existing knowledge and, and beliefs. Um, mm. And that's where you get things like fairies and hobgoblins. Um, and in in the modern era, of course, people aren't going to see a fairy or a hobgoblin. They're going to see an extraterrestrial or a, a UFO. And I think that's yeah. We're, we're trying to make this stuff fit, and eventually, someone will say, "Oh no, well, it's just caused." By this natural phenomenon, you know, quartz quartz in the ground, buried in the, deep in the ground, being compressed causes lights in the sky, which is why you see lights in the sky before a before a major it, earthquake. It, it is, and sometimes those explanations will be terrestrial. Sometimes hmm. they will be extraterrestrial, but um, it, it, it's the difference between theory and fact for me um mm. you know we theorize that the whole concept of there being life on other planets mm. is it, it, 
we don't it's it's still theory but when you look at the drake's equation and things like that the idea of it not existing is way more far-fetched than the idea of it existing now i'm not necessarily talking intelligent life or life that Mm. is visiting us i'm talking life in general um yeah you know uh, know, i know that there there are Billions, billions of galaxies, is that right in saying? Which will contain billions of solar systems, which contain billions of planets. Um, it's a fair chance that some of that contains some form of life. Um, and maybe some, some of that life is, has become more technologically advanced than us, that it can, that there are, there are beings that can travel between planets. They can travel between dimensions. Maybe there are people who, you know, unlike us, confined to one planet, they've got several planets in their solar system that they've managed to make habitable yeah, maybe well, maybe they not, can even we're not that far away with, from doing that ourselves you know what 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 i have trouble believing is that there are secret government departments who know about all this and are keeping it from us or they're preparing us to really that's the bit i have trouble with having having worked in government myself and a secret area of government I mean, I think anyone who's worked in the civil service or military intelligence or anything like that would have had the experience of having to jump through all sorts of hoops. You're told there's a document that you need to be made aware of and you have to jump through all sorts of hoops. You have to go through the security. You have to show a special pass to get into this compound, to get into this building, to get into this section of the building, to to travel up to a certain floor, all the time going past guards, showing your ID, signing for things. And eventually you go into this vault where you sign this document, sign your life away, basically, and you're presented with this document and you read it with a security officer breathing down your neck. Um, you're not allowed to take any notes. You're not allowed to record anything. And you read it and you think, well, but I know all this. I read this in the newspaper last week. Yeah. And the security officer will say, well, yes, but uh, probably the general public won't, make, wouldn't, won't have made the connection between this and this and point to two things that are really obviously connected. And <laughs> what, are we worried about the general public? No, we're worried, we're, in my case, we're worried about a KGB officer who probably would make that connection straight away and has a lot of background knowledge. And then they tell you, well, you know, now that you've read this in a top secret document, you're not allowed to discuss it. But it was in the newspaper yesterday. <laughs> no, sorry, you can't talk about it. You've got special knowledge. I haven't learned, any special, I haven't learned anything new from this stuff. Yeah, obviously, I was a corporal, and I'd be talking to a captain or a major, and uh, I'd be a bit yeah. more, um, a bit more circumspect in my in my protestations. <laughs> I'd just say, you'd say you're not allowed to discuss this with anyone. And I'd say yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you have to report anyone you hear talking about it. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> Bye. You'd think it's in your head. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. Yeah. yeah it, I, it's hard to believe the secret government is really very secret. It's. I, I, I mean, I know that. I know that there are areas of government where, of, of which our political leaders are unaware. Mm-hmm. Um. But I can also, but but that's I think largely because you have a government department that deals in something that's highly sensitive, highly classified, highly complex, and they would say, well, the prime minister isn't dealing with anything related to this at the moment. They're basically trying to pull their party together and try and balance the budget, whatever. <laughs> they haven't got the bandwidth to take this on board. You know, someone like Boris mm. Johnson hasn't got the attention span. Liz Truss hasn't got the intelligence. If you impart any of this to Boris Johnson whatever he gets of it, 
What's he going to do with that information? The most likely thing he's, he was ever going to do with it will be to blurt it out to some Russian party donor with close ties to <laughs> Vladimir Putin. <laughs> yeah. What else? Are you going to, that, that's why we don't tell them stuff unless they abs- they actually need to know it. That's To me, that's what secret government means. I, I'm absolutely confident that that's an element of it as well, though. Um, hmm. But that's, that's again, that's getting a little bit away from our topic today. Yeah, do, you, do you think, um, I mean, the, to the Stars Academy, according to Wikipedia, um, they, 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 they're researching um, UFOs and other fringe science projects that many of the technologies or phenomena are based on highly speculative theories that almost you know, that toe the line of pseudoscience, and um, that um, they've had to detail the risks involved to, with this research to potential investors, including the possibility that, that this isn't going to come to anything. You know, we, we might look into beamed energy propulsion. Yeah, you'll be really rich if we, we get it to work, but it's quite likely that we won't. Do you think that's why um, they had trouble selling their shares? Sounds like... It sounds like a reasonable thing for any speculative technology company to say in my book. Mm. Um, and but again, you know, so you drew the line about science fiction earlier. Um, mm. And again, that whole Star Trek thing. Yeah, they talked about like wireless handheld communication devices that could like communicate hundreds of miles. Well, we've got that now. Uh, doors mm. that open automatically when you walk up to them didn't exist of course when star trek came out well now that's a hmm. common old you know you go to your supermarket and you've got that um yeah it, it's and we've had that for a very long time now as well you know it, all this was pure speculative stuff now whether you take your speculation from science fiction or from ufo reports hmm it kind of doesn't matter. The inspiration that they're saying that we are using these, this as our inspiration for looking into what the next big technological advance might be. Um, but isn't it more? Isn't that fine? Sorry, isn't that no, okay? I, I to do? But speculative technologies haven't they um, typically been the preserve of governments with massive checkbooks? Um, even 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 if it's private, carried out by private companies, they're government funded. Particularly, I'm thinking of the Cold War, where each side was would be looking to all sorts of of obscure technologies and possibilities with a view to getting an advantage over the rival. And money was no object. But when when you're asking shareholders to invest their own private funds, other people's private funds, um, in in this technology that may very well come to nothing. Um, I think that's a much harder sell. Well, is that is that why they've had such trouble that they've they've tried to do it through the the private sector completely? I I mean, I I honestly think that um, to the Stars Academy has a lot of government inroads anyway, and I I wouldn't be surprised hmm. if they're being bankrolled by the government. But you know, to also say and let's you know. Get, let's have a public side to this as well. I mean, let's not forget the the to the Stars Academy's COO mm. is guy Steve Justice, who is a former head of Advanced Systems at Skunk Works, Lockheed Martin. Yeah, that's Lockheed Martin. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have huge government contracts. Um, in fact, mm. Skunk Works and and UFOs is something that kind of go hand in hand together, and and have quite a history together 
in mm. of itself. He's the COO of Chief, the Oper- Chief Operating Officer. Yes, yes. So yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if they are being bankrolled by by the US government on the quiet mm. as a as a black op, not black ops. Uh, what do they call it? Black budget. Black yeah, a slush operation. fund. <laughs> so, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I, I can't see how they cannot be if you're going to spend millions looking into something like telepathy. Who yeah. is going to invest in that? Yeah, but you'll get really rich. Yeah, it's like buying a lottery ticket, isn't it? You, um, you know, the chances of you of, of succeeding are very, very small, fourteen million to one or something. But if you do mm-hmm. succeed, you'll never have to work again. You'll be rich beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. But you know, you're Same not prepared being to struck by you're lightning. Prepared... By the way, I, I thought it was actually longer odds, but uh, uh, whatever. No, hang on. The... That was back when the lottery came out. It was sixteen million to one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So Sorry. you think? Well, okay. Uh, yeah. If if I invest this amount of money, possibly it could pay off, and I'd never have to work again. Because I think that's what it was. Kind of a a, a misery tax, wasn't it, or a desperation tax? Mm. You know. Buy a ticket, and you might not have to go to work on Monday morning ever again. Yeah. Um, but people are p- prepared to invest on that basis, but not very much. They're not prepared to go without. They're not prepared to say, okay, instead of having a holiday this year, let's buy lottery tickets, and, you know, it could pay off. Because the odds are it probably won't. No, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Um there's one last thing I want us to talk about with To The Stars Academy, because I find mm. this really intriguing, um, is what they call, and they do like their acronyms, um, the ADAM Research Project. This is the Acquisition and Data Analysis of Materials. Now, yes. under this research project, they claim they have what what is generally called in ufology circles exotic materials now basically they claim to have metal that has come from a crashed ufo mm. um that <laughs> they've um, they've they bought it from uh it was a uh, linda moulton howe who's uh, quite a mover and shaker okay. in you followed your world um they they claim that this material or i think Linda Moulton Howe claimed um, that when it was electromagnetically charged, this hmm. this metal becomes basically lighter than air, that it that it floats. Hmm. Uh, which but is, they haven't made they haven't been able to make it work. They're studying it. They say um, hmm. to obviously you know look into its practical applications and and ways of yeah. doing it. But that's quite an interesting. That's quite a big claim. We've got it this material. I mean, we don't know what it is. We don't know where it came from. Ultimately, kind of originally, um, they claim it's like it is exotic materials. It's stuff that doesn't exist here on Earth. That's a um, huge claim. Although critics have said there's no evidence to support the claim that the materials are otherworldly in origin or scientifically important. Um, well, critics are going to say that, aren't they? That's what critics yeah, the, do. Yeah, the um, <laughs> alien alloys, the American Chemical Society expert panel member, Richard Sackleben, considers such claims quite impossible, 
I don't think it's plausible that there's any alloys that we can't identify. If we had such mysterious metals, you could take it to any university where research is done and they could tell you what the elements and something about the crystalline phase within a few hours. Unless uh, it was an unknown mm, element. Unless it's an unknown element that's come from, yeah, God knows where, yep. maybe, maybe, you know. I'm going to throw out element have, 115 here. Mm. Uh, which was a substance claimed um, by uh, uh, um, Bob. Oh my! Ah, my brain suddenly stopped working. Bob, Bob, La, Bob Lazar. Bob, Bob Lazar. Yeah. Um, yes, it was a substance uh, claimed by Bob Lazar to have been used in the UFO that he uh, examined and tried reverse engineering that was before element 115 was discovered when it didn't exist and your critics would say well that's ridiculous because if there was an element 115 we'd know about it and we don't mm. and then uh, some years later element 115 is discovered to actually exist mm. so yeah i i take things like that from people who haven't actually looked at these materials who haven't mm. um, examined them themselves and are just speculating oh well and, uh, we'd know about it if it existed no not necessarily but isn't not that again the same trajectory of magic and supernatural and whatever becoming scientifically explained as we as we know as we find out more about the natural world that yeah there are, oh. there are elements that that you know, a few years ago we didn't know about, now we do know about them, and things that we might have thought were magical. I mean, the, the definition of magic is technology you don't understand, isn't it? And that's the supernatural. Oh, the, old Arthur yeah, C. Clarke you... quote. Yeah, absolutely. Is it Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke? Yeah. Um, it's a good quote. It and is. Yeah, it pretty much does explain, you know, once once you've worked how, how it works, once you've peeped behind the magician's curtain... Um, there you have it. You know what it is and how it works and where, where to get it from. Yeah, and I'm I'm absolutely 100% on board with that, that, that one day I am convinced when we're talking about extraterrestrial craft and extraterrestrial beings that we will be talking about scientific fact rather than it being put into the, the, the nature, like paranormal box. Hmm. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Um, yeah, I, and then that's why in my in my head canon, it's already there. You know, not as hmm. fact perhaps, but as scientific theory. Or, or possibly um, the other way, we will find a more mundane explanation for those lights in the sky and those seeming UFOs. That oh, right, it's caused by this combination of weather phenomena and and phase of the moon and whatever. It's and certainly possible. It's certainly yeah. possible. Um, and do you know what? It'd just be good to have answers. But mm. what do you think, listeners? Is it all mumbo-jumbo, paranormal, made-up nonsense that will debunk one day? Or is there a grain of truth to it that will become scientific fact in the not-too-distant future? Are you prepared to invest your college fund in a course of learning at the To The Stars Academy? 
Uh, yeah, if you money where your mouth is, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> or if you've done the course, um, do let mm. us know. Do you know what? We love hearing from people, and you can let us know via the usual means. You can contact us through Facebook, through Twitter, by searching Aliens Explored. We've got our own dedicated YouTube channel now, uh, Aliens Explored. So you can go there. You can. Uh, you, you can listen to the podcast there and you can drop messages about each episode uh, on there. Uh, we've been having some really good engagement on there since we launched that. Um, mm. So you can join in with that. Or if you are one of our Patreon members, then you get exclusive access to our Discord server uh, where you can chat with us, you can chat with like-minded people about this or any other UFO topic that comes about. In fact, they've been talking about the archers recently of all things <laughs> so mm-hmm. there we go um some interesting conversations that come up uh but yeah but however you do it do let us know what you think oh an email i haven't mentioned email aliens explored at gmail.com uh, we'd love to hear you from contact you us, yes do contact us Join us next time, though, when we will be talking about uh, an incident from just over thir- uh, oh, 40 years 40 ago. 40 years uh, ago, yeah. 40 years ago, oh my God. Yeah, mm. 1980, it still feels like 10 years ago to me. Um, <laughs> we will be talking about Granger Taylor from Canada and his homemade flying saucer. I look forward to taking that one apart (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in the meantime keep watching those shadowy government bodies their public companies that uh, that might be working with them and And follow follow the money (laughs) always follow the money absolutely Uh, and of course keep watching the skies take care for now Catch you next time. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit AliensExplored.com. 